Let us pray. Oh Lord, that is our prayer, that your holy rain would fall down as your word now is proclaimed. And I pray that you would use the broken words of this preacher to speak to human hearts. Lord, give us ears to hear what you would say to us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to zero in this morning on one of the greatest dangers to our faith and to Christian community. And no, I'm not talking about aggressive atheism or recent attacks on religious liberty, which are concerning. But I'm talking about something far more pervasive, powerful, insidious. I want to talk about the dangers of consumerism. The dictionary defines consumerism as a preoccupation with and an inclination towards the buying of consumer goods. Now, that definition seems pretty benign, you know, as far as it goes, okay. But there's so much more to it than that. Every one of us, of course, is a consumer. Consuming is simply putting a product or service to use in order to meet certain needs or desires. We consume every time we run out to the grocery store to buy food or put gas in the car or go to a movie with friends. Consuming is not bad. In fact, consuming is necessary to our existence. And certainly our consumption provides jobs for people who supply us with the things that we need and want. Consumption is good for the economy. I am not against Christmas shopping. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but what happens when consumption goes haywire? When it becomes an unhealthy preoccupation, indeed an addiction, a means to secure ultimate meaning and purpose and a sense of belonging. What if our very identity and self-worth is wrapped up in what we buy and in what we have? What if instead of consuming to live, we live to consume? What if people actually choose to live by the philosophy, I shop, therefore I am? Consumerism has all the attributes of religion. It promises happiness and fulfillment, comfort from life's ills, i.e. retail therapy. Consumerism has its own cathedrals of consumption, namely the shopping mall. And therein we find various brands of products that promise not only utility or value or pleasure, but personal change and life transformation. Some time ago, Nordstrom engaged in an ad campaign titled, Reinvent the Girl Next Door. If you purchase a pair of Nordstrom shoes, then you too, ladies, you can be seen as sexy and desirable, and not just the plain Jane you know next door. No offense to those named Jane, I don't mean to 
say that. It's no expression. The purchase of Nordstrom shoes promises you a new chic identity. The not so subtle message is that Nordstrom shoes are not just a product, but are in fact a way of being in the world, part of who you are. So we define ourselves by the shoes we buy, the clothes we wear, and the cars we drive. A fellow by the name of Mark Gobey, in an interesting book entitled Emotional Branding, points out how shopping today is a truly all-sensory experience. Merchandisers are using scents, S-C-E-N-T-S, to create familiarity, color theory to attract consumers. They use symbols to captivate the imagination and create special environments in which their products therefore stand out. So next time you go to the mall, note the differences in the way the stores smell, the colors they employ, and the visual environments they create. Look at the way they use lighting and making use of music. I mean, it truly is an all-sensory experience. And it's designed not just to sell products, but to create emotional bonds with consumers. They are selling not just material goods, but a way to be in the world. One of the most successful brands in America is Harley-Davidson. Those who own Harleys are a special breed. They band together and enjoy a special kind of identity and ethos. An ad campaign for Harley says it all. <laughs> Live by it. Does that capture Harley or what? In an article in, in, uh, in Financial Times, global advertising firm Young and Rubicam put it bluntly, brands are the new religion. People turn to them for meaning. So where does this consumer God get us? Well, this God just doesn't seem to deliver. We buy the cool brands, but it's never enough. We have to have the next greatest thing. We buy it, and we are still miserable. We're never satisfied. As someone has said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. <laughs> How miserable that guy looks, I tell you. In Christian terms, consumerism is a form of idolatry false religion, a rival God. No wonder that Jesus stressed the fact that you cannot worship God and mammon at the same time. Only God can fill the spiritual vacuum in every human heart. Only God can deliver the goods that you and I truly need, meaning and purpose, fulfillment, true satisfaction, a new identity, personal transformation. We know that, don't we? That only God is God. Only God can fill the void in us. 
And would that everyone would understand that our hearts are restless until they rest in God. We know where true life is to be found. We know that consumerism is not the pathway to the abundant life promised by Jesus. This is an obvious point for me to make from the pulpit. But we have to admit that it's just not easy to escape the clutches of this false god. The power of this rival god is immense. We are constantly being shaped by its message. I read that by the age of 60, we will have seen over 2 million commercials, which is the equivalent of watching nothing but those ads for eight hours a day, seven days a week, for six straight years. Scary. No wonder this form of idolatry is so dangerous. It becomes part of our worldview without even noticing. In fact, it shapes our Christian faith and our view of the church more than we can imagine. So much so that we bring a consumer mentality right into the church with us. So that we think of Christian faith, i.e., spirituality, as just one more choice among many choices that we make, like a breakfast cereal or a movie or a, or a pair of shoes. It's a choice that we tack on to our busy life rather than allowing our faith to become the lens through which we view the world. And increasingly, we see the church as one more place to get our needs met and to be entertained. Church is one more option among many options, like going out to dinner or attending a ball game or a concert, in which we decide how best to use our time. Most often, we decide on the basis of what will make us feel good and what will deliver those good feelings quickly. So that if church gets too demanding or challenges our commitments or questions our priorities, well, then we have other better ways to spend our time. The church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services, a place where our spiritual needs are met, so that it becomes all about us and about what we want and what we need. And if the church is not meeting our needs, then we'll go, to the, go church shopping and we'll find a church that will give us what we want, that will dish it out to us. Knowing how easy it is for people to walk away, churches have tried to cater to this consumerist mindset and tried to become all things to all people. In fact, there was a time not too long ago when church leaders were were, were, uh, were encouraged to turn their churches into shopping malls, spiritual shopping malls, offering every program under the sun for every kind of need and demographic, as if that were possible, right? Smaller churches developed inferiority complexes because they simply didn't have the resources to be a full-service church. I ran across this uh, church reader board on the net, which rather humorously highlights the absurdity of trying to be all things to all people. This is the consumerist church of the sacred demographics. <laughs> the consumerist church of the sacred demographics. Church leaders really appreciate the humor in this. 
Yeah, I don't know if you can see the words, but here's the Sunday schedule. Seniors, Gospel Hour, 7 a.m. Gregorian Chant Liturgy, 8 a.m. Contemporary Suburban Worship, 9 a.m. Hip-Hop Praise Jam, 10 a.m. Extreme Youth Service, 11 a.m. Mystic Journey of the Worship Experience, 2 p.m. Holy Spirit Freestyle, 3 p.m. And this week's message, God has a wonderful cafeteria plan for your life. Last summer, I, along with some other MPC church leaders, attended the national gathering of the Fellowship of Presbyterians in Dallas. By the way, there's a new name, the Fellowship Community, of which MPC is a part. And the theme of the conference was from, from consumerism to community. It was a theme that deeply resonated with church leaders. There was a universal feeling that we have to get beyond the notion of the church as a dispenser of religious goods and services and get back to church as God designed it to be. That is a community of believers committed to care for one another and who know that together as the followers of Jesus, they are called out on God's mission to redeem the world. It's not hard to see how this consumerist mindset destroys Christian community. Because in this mindset, the primary question is, what's in it for me? What am I going to receive if I become part of this church? Is there a program that will meet the needs of my family? What's in it for me? But instead, what if the first question was this? How can I bless my brothers and sisters in this community? What can I give? What can I contribute so together we can bless the world? That's a whole different way to think. Completely different kind of a mindset. Nothing could be further from our Lord's intention for the church which he founded to be nothing more than a collection of individuals who roll in and roll out Sunday after Sunday to have their spiritual needs met and who then go on with their solitary lives. Go on with life as usual. But those who put their trust in Jesus Christ necessarily become part of a very special body, a community of believers whose first thought is to give and not to receive. Our, our Lord's idea of church looks like this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many, many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For those early followers of Jesus, church as community was not just a nice option to take advantage of, if one felt like it, but in fact... It was very central to their new lives in Christ. They knew they needed each other. 
they sought to build up one another in faith. They worshiped together and prayed together, and they enjoyed a special kind of fellowship with one another. They sacrificed for one another, all for the purpose of their mission to carry God's love and healing power into a needy and broken world. And they succeeded beyond measure. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The church is God's idea founded by Christ himself. It's always our Lord's intention for his followers to live out their faith in community. There's no such thing really as a solitary Christian, a Christian out there not attached to the body. If you are in Christ, then you are automatically part of his body. Now, you are the body of Christ, says the Apostle Paul, and each one of you is part of it. And as a member of that body, each of us has a role to play, particular gifts to offer. The church is not like belonging to a rotary club or to some other club or to a lifestyle interest group, one option among many. But the church is God's own community and is God's chosen instrument to carry out his mission in the world. The church is God's mission outpost in the world. It's like no other community on earth. First letter, Peter gives us God's view of the church. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, as a new kind of people, God's people, defined by God's word, empowered by his spirit to proclaim the good news of Jesus, we are no longer consumers, but we are servants. We serve each other so so that together we can serve as Christ's body in the world. In the New Testament, there are about 60 verses where the phrase, one another, is found. Love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, live in harmony with one another, instruct one another, greet one another. It just, uh, you know, it just presupposes that, that Christians will gather in community. But the, the, the community is a place where we practice one anothering one another, building up one another, so that together we can be on our mission to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So as we think about our faith and our church, what if you and I aimed for contribution rather than consumption? Again, what if our first question is not, what's in it for me? But how can I bless my brothers and sisters in Christ? What kind of church would that look like? People who just can't wait to contribute, to make a difference in the lives of their fellow believers and who together want to go out into the world to serve him. How can you and I help to make this church community a more effective instrument of God's love in the world? What, What gifts can we bring to this body of believers so that we can better accomplish Christ's mission? It all boils down to whether the in the church we come as consumers or as servants. Now, we have an excellent opportunity to be a servant 
as well as to make a personal statement against the idolatry of consumerism this very morning. Today, you can go shopping. Yes, go shop. Shop in our alternative Christmas market. Right out there. And what's beautiful and different about this is that you are directly giving to causes that make a difference in the lives of others, that blesses others in Christ's name without getting anything in return other than maybe the feeling that you did something good today. And perhaps maybe come away with a little bit of olive oil. The best way to combat consumerism in our hearts is to learn how to be generous givers. It's to give generously to others in a way that truly shares God's love. Wouldn't you rather have your money instead of buying a tie for Uncle Joe, where he's going to not wear it, probably? It'd be better just to bless people in other places where they have very little, where day-to-day existence is just a struggle. Man. You can get involved with Operation Christmas Child. This is a time when we're putting boxes together for, for kids that will be distributed. And uh, so hopefully as you're at Fred Meyer or you know, some of these other places that you, if you see some good deals on school supply type stuff, things that little kids would like, that, that you would buy those things. Yes, consume. It's a good kind of consumption because it's for other people. And then put it in a box, make your own box, or come to the packing party, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. And, uh, and we'll bring a bunch of stuff to that packing party. If you find a good deal on toothbrushes, you know, bring them. To make a difference in the life of children, wow. Even if for, for, a, for a day, just one child to bring a little joy. Isn't that worth it? So I'm asking you, and, and I need to be aware, of, of consumerism as this omnipresent God that's always shaping us. The messages are always going out. It becomes part of our worldview even without noticing. It slips in under the shadows. And it shapes our faith in very unhealthy ways. It can destroy true Christian community. So let's examine ourselves. Be alert, be aware, but examine ourselves. Let's examine ourselves. And ask, am I searching for my identity and significance when I buy new things? Is that what that's all about? Is that why I have to have that coach bag? Really? Is that my identity that's getting wrapped up there? Sense of significance? Do I participate in this community of faith only to receive, or do I participate as well? Participate to give as well. Am I living to make much of myself or to make much of Jesus? May God give us the spiritual discernment to steer clear of the idolatry of consumerism. And may God give us the heart and will of a servant even as Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So may it be. Amen.